Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm Daniel Guevara. Alongside me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And we are another week down in the football season. Had some pretty good uh, turnouts, some games that didn't even get to uh, make the field, and some that kind of ended early. But either way, I think it was a very good week for Pinal County football, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it, it didn't start off so good. You mentioned that one of the games didn't get to happen. On Thursday, Desert Sunrise was set to play on Hambra in their home opener, but because of inclement weather, that didn't happen. And luckily, we didn't get to go that far out that way. We made our way out to Chandler to go see to see the Eastmark Firebirds play the Combs Coyotes, and that game got cut short at halftime because of that same bad weather that made its way out east. What do you want to say about the Combs and Firebirds game that we attended? Uh, it was definitely a rough one to watch. Uh, you know, it was 51-0 to zero at halftime in favor of Eastmark. And you could tell, I, I heard that Combs uh, had three out of their four captains at the beginning of the season that are pretty much done for the year. I believe uh, one uh, player has a broken ankle, the other one a broken leg, and one possibly with a torn ACL. So you could definitely see the inexperience when it came to the Coyotes. But I didn't realize how impressive still Eastmark was, especially after they dropped that game to uh, CDO in their opening week. So it was just a rough one to watch because, like I said, uh, Combs uh, tried their best. They obviously couldn't get nothing going on the offensive end, and it just seemed like every pass that was thrown by Eastmark was brought down by their wide receivers. They had an impressive wide receiver core. What was your biggest takeaway for that game? The biggest takeaway I had from that game is Combs is probably the program that we've actually physically got to see up close that has taken a big step backwards. You mentioned it earlier that they had a lot of their leadership on the sidelines injured. Um, I did get to see Chase Theobald on the sidelines in a boot. That sight was unfortunate. I hope things do get a turnaround for the Coyotes, but right now it's it's looking bleak, but we wish them all the best in their weeks to come. And, you know, they'll have another chance to kind of turn the tide uh, as they get ready for their upcoming matchup. But let's go into uh, our Friday games. Uh, let's start off with a team that has also really been struggling, and that's the ALA Anthem South uh, Titans, who went down to Tucson to uh, play Tanka Verde, and unfortunately lost 43-0. to zero. We had talked about last week that uh, Tanka Verde is a team that will beat the teams that they should beat, and I think they did that uh, on Friday night. But did you think that ALA Anthem South was going to go scoreless yet again? I didn't. It's just a matter of them getting used to that speed of the game. And, and Tank Averti just did what they were supposed to do. Now, what do you want to see coming this week for ALA Anthem South? I mean, we always talk about it's the small things. You know, I think we can preach that every week when it comes to a team like that. But. What do you think is the ultimate goal? Is it allowing less points, or is it trying to finally get a touchdown? You know the other team is going to score. You you shouldn't put so much focus on your defense and worry about stopping the other team from scoring. 
You should be worried about your offense and worrying about getting that on track before anything else. What about you? No, I, I, I definitely think that the biggest focus should be the offense. You know, I think once they start getting that confidence in them to that they can start driving the ball a little bit more, you're going to start seeing them score. And what is that going to do? That's going to allow their defense to get more uh, rest than what they probably normally get in these first couple of games. But, I mean, it's just rough to see because you want this team to do good. You're hoping the best for them, and it just – they still haven't gotten on the board, and that's the biggest surprise for me because at least there's some other teams out there that even though they're struggling, they're still uh, able to uh, put up some points. And And we can kind of go into uh, the next 2A team that I'm talking about, and that's uh, the Sequoia Pathway Pumas who went uh, and played Veritas Prep. And they also gave up a lot of points, but they were able to put the ball in the end zone for their first score of the season as they lost uh, 60 to 8. Not many bright spots to harp on in that game. It's a big deflating loss for the Pumas. Just try to get better. That's all I think I could say. That for these two teams in the 2A that are in the Pinal County area, it's the only thing I could say is just try to get better. It's not going to get easier by just pointing fingers and, and trying to make up excuses. You got to set the tone yourself and push your teammates to be better. No, I would definitely agree. You know, I think both programs are going to continue to have their struggles just because of the inexperience that they've uh, had. Uh, ALA Anthem South is more of a newer school, while Sequoia Pathway, I mean, you lose pretty much your whole team from last year, and you're asking these kids to go out there and play like a winning program, and it just unfortunately doesn't translate uh, right away. And I think maybe in the next couple of years with how young these teams are, we might see a, a different transition and see Sequoia Pathway back to where we know them at and to finally see uh, ALA Anthem South winning some more ball games. Let's hope so, but let's move into the 3A by talking about this 2A-3A matchup that also was a Pinal County clash. The Santa Cruz Dust Devils traveled all the way to Coolidge, which really isn't that far, to, to play them in a small-town throwdown matchup that ended 20-33 to 33 in favor of the Bears. Was this how you expected this game to turn out? Um, I actually wasn't sure exactly how the Bears' offense was going to handle what they experienced last week coming into this week. I mean, you can see a big difference in the game plan for the Bears. I believe uh, Gavin Gunter uh, threw for over 90 yards and uh, even threw for a touchdown pass. Uh, you had Maurice Glass rush for 90 yards and a touchdown. So they were able to finally move the ball and get some momentum. Um, I picked Coolidge to win, so uh, you know I wasn't surprised on seeing the final score but um, I was excited to see uh, from Santa Cruz that they were actually able to kind of get their offense going. I know it happened later in the game, but I think that's something that they could kind of carry into the uh, next few weeks. What about yourself? What was the biggest surprise uh, as far as uh, both teams go? I feel like my biggest surprise would be that the, the Coolidge offense actually took a part in this game. Um, you kind of mentioned it before when we were talking about their game against Ben Franklin. A lot of their players went under the weather, and I think that was exactly the case because if you see that Gavin Gunter was actually under center, and in that Ben Franklin game, you said Wanye got moved uh, to quarterback. 
which is really unheard of, especially when you know Wanya as a wide receiver threat. So it's good to see that Coolidge has got their things back on track. But I was taking Santa Cruz to take this game because I felt like they had a little bit more confidence coming into this. But Coolidge just, they defended their home turf. They did exactly what they were supposed to. I picked them to be the upset, and that was exactly what happened. And uh, before we move into our next game, I just want to give a big shout-out. I know I always get on this guy all the time because he's uh, one of the vocal leaders on his team, and I wanted to see him make a big play. So uh, Jordan Johnson, even though he plays defensive end, got an interception and took it to the house. So, you know, those are the things you want to see, especially from the players that are out there leading your team. So Hopefully uh, Coolidge can continue that into next week. It's going to be a big game for him to really test out where they're going to be, and then we'll get into Santa Cruz later on as they're going to be one of our featured teams uh, come Friday night. But let's move into uh, the ALA Ironwood Warriors uh, traveling to Gilbert to take on Gilbert Christian, and uh, they ended up uh, dropping this game 23-10. to What were your thoughts uh, when you saw that score? I was surprised. I thought that Gilbert Christian was on the decline, so to speak. But ALA Ironwood just wasn't able to keep up with them and only able to score 10 points against a team that just barely lost to Florence. It shows that ALA Ironwood has improved themselves, but Gilbert Christian is no slouch. Yeah, it was a big surprise for me, especially... Uh, whenever you see the score uh, last week when they played Douglas and only giving up two points. We had talked about they only gave up eight points in their first two games, playing probably a better 3A team in Marinci in week one. But then you uh, give up 23 points, 20 actually in the first half, uh, to uh, Gilbert Christian. So it it was uh, something that I wasn't used to, especially with their uh, offense not being able to get in the end zone until the fourth quarter. Is that something you're kind of worried about when you think about ALA Ironwood? Or do you think that this may just may have been a game where they dropped the ball here? I think that this was a hiccup. If you look at what they have coming up this week, it's a really good opportunity for them to get right back on track. All right. Well, let's move into the Battle of Santan. As you had uh, Santan Foothills heading down to uh, Santan Charter. You know, I'm sure that was another long drive, right? Yep. <laughs> but uh, this one uh, came down to the wire as Santan Charter barely beats Santan Foothills by a final of 48-47. to 47. I think this game, it probably hurt a lot, especially losing that close. But still, did uh, Santan Foothills impress you this week? They did. It, it, it didn't translate to a W on the schedule, but looking at the final score, it, it's, it's kind of reminiscent to the TCU and Colorado score. They only lost by a few points. And, and, and shout out to Coach Prime and, and the Colorado Buffaloes for putting up their first win of the season, and they did it in dramatic fashion. Unfortunately, I can't say the same for the Sabercats, but that's no reason to hang their head. I know that when they come in into this really huge, monstrous matchup that they, they, they're going to have at home, they're going to be really focused for that. They're not going to allow the one-point loss to the Roadrunners affect them. Well, the one thing you're going to probably have to focus on in this week, and that's what uh, they gave up on the defensive end, 
Uh, Zayden uh, Neal for Santan Charter threw for 490 yards and seven touchdowns. Next week's quarterback, he's a pretty good guy. You know, uh, he knows how to uh, play that position very well. And if they're without their running back, he may be asked to do a, a lot to help uh, their team win against uh, Santan Foothills. But the one thing that kind of stood out to me uh, on the offensive end, Dalton Norman threw for over 140 yards and a touchdown. So you're starting to see the consistency there at quarterback. But uh, even their rushing attack rushed for 389 yards and six touchdowns. So they can move the ball. You know, uh, we saw when they played Tempe, they had a couple of hiccups here and there uh, throughout the game. Now it's just kind of time to mesh and gel with that defense to try to stop a passing attack because I'm sure that they'll be able to uh, stop a a lot of uh, teams' run games. They only gave up 132 rushing yards. I know that seems like a lot, but in high school, I mean, we've seen those things balloon out of control uh, for some teams. So I think that if they can um, correct uh, that on defense, they might be able to pick up a victory uh, come Friday night. All right, well, speaking of that team with the tremendous quarterback, let's talk about the come-from-behind victory that the Florence Gophers made against the Safford Bulldogs. What was the one thing that stood out to you when we actually got to see the final score to that game? Because throughout our entire time broadcasting the game at Pueblo, Florence was playing from behind. I think the biggest surprise was a lot of people better not sleep on Safford when it comes to that you know, East team way out there. Um, That was the biggest surprise. I thought Florence was going to have enough to jump out early against the Bulldogs, but unfortunately uh, they weren't able to do that. But the one thing that I saw when I saw the final score was Florence can do it all. You know, they can go out there and beat you. They hung around with the top 3A team last week, and now you're asking them to face a little adversity and play from behind and they were still able to come out victorious. So I'm liking uh, seeing that about the Gophers because you're seeing every phase of the game that they're being put in different situations, and to me they're excelling in uh, every way. The one thing I'm kind of worried about is the health of uh, Josh Jackson. We know that he was playing uh, and got knocked out of the game on Friday. So what does that health uh, look like for him? Because if he's out of the ball game. Florence offense is not the same. I know that Logan uh, Stenson and, you know, uh, their other running backs kind of helped pull out the victory on Friday, but he is a vital part of that offense. And they will, um, I'd say, be a little bit more one-dimensional whenever you take him off the field. You're not really having to focus on that big uh, running attack if a team like that can run the ball, it helps somebody like Logan Stenson uh, be able to uh, be accurate in the passing attack. So that's the only thing I would probably worry about coming into this week is the health of Josh Jackson. Yeah, Josh Jackson is definitely a player that you look to in the stats that will give the Florence Gophers the edge. But at the same time, you can't sleep on the other players in the running back core like Kane and Neal. And also, Logan is more than capable of running the ball himself. So... There's plenty of opportunities for this team to come away with attacks on both the ground and in the air, but we'll see what happens at the end of this Friday because I'm I'm a little disappointed that we weren't able to make that game a part of our broadcasting schedule, but we know that it's going to be a lights-out game 
we were there for the last game in Florence, and I, I can't wait to talk more about that here in a little bit. Well, let's move on into uh, the 4A uh, division, and let's start with the Post and Butte Broncos, who went uh, to Copper Canyon and uh, put up a show as they won 53-0. to And what a way to bounce back uh, after – a devastating uh, week one loss to uh, Micah Mountain. Yeah, you said it. It was devastating in the fact that it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and the Thunderbolts clock management ended up winning out. But if you're the Broncos, this is exactly how you wanted to respond, to shut out the Aztecs and in preparation for what they got coming up this next week. It's what you're needing in Post and Butte to get over that sour taste that Micah Mountain left with you. And I think uh, if you look at this team, they're back to their old ways of running it down your throat as they rush for 394 yards and six touchdowns. And they're a team that I always say it's defense in the run game. And they picked up nine sacks and two interceptions on the night. So that is Broncos football that we know. And I hope that they're able to carry that momentum going into next week. What's the uh, next 4A team we got going on? The next 4A team that we will speak of will be the matchup between the Apache Junction Prospectors and the Arizona College Prep Knights. The Knights were just too much for the Prospectors in this one, beating them 35-21. to Was this how you expected this game to turn out? And when you looked at the score, was this something close to what you were expecting? Um, the score uh, actually surprised me. I wasn't sure how uh, Apache Junction was going to bounce back uh, from their opening week. Uh, but to only lose by 14 points, um, we have uh, AZ College Prep as one of the front runners for uh, this 4A uh, Desert Sky region. But um, I think that ultimately the Knights became too much uh, for the prospectors. But one of the things I'm liking when it comes to the offensive end is uh, Aiden uh, DeLeon threw for 196 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he combined with Evan De La Cruz to rush for 174 yards and a touchdown. So they're starting to get an identity with who is going to be their focal players coming into uh, the rest of this season after uh, losing not only their quarterback and star wide receiver to graduation, but uh, Isaiah Savoy as well, who uh, ended up transferring out to Utah. So that's what I'm liking going uh, for the prospectors. But now I just want to see them pick up a victory and and win decisively. You know, I don't want them playing from behind uh, that much throughout the rest of the year because then it's going to be tough, especially once they start getting into their region matchups as well. Yeah, I think so. But I got to give props to DeLeon too. You're, you're doing this, and, and this is a team that I feel is pretty much one-dimensional. They don't have that option to, to have a reliable running back to say, here you go, man, just get us a few more yards. Just just get us past that. Just get us another first down. They don't have that anymore. And for him to, to, to take that burden on his back and find multiple people in the wide receiver core to, to, to share that ball, I think that he's doing a great job. And the prospectors will have a decent season this year. They might not have a winning season, but they will definitely have a decent season. All right, let's move into our last 4A team, which was our uh, game of the week. And that was the Vista Grande Spartans traveling down uh, to Tucson to take on the Pueblo uh, Warriors. And what a battle this one turned out to be. 
And, you know, it was a very defensive game, as we talked about on the broadcast. But Vista Grande ended up taking home the victory, winning uh, by a final score of 14-7. to Since you were at the game and you got to see all of this live, what were you impressed with when it comes to Vista Grande and what are some things you think they need to work out? I was fully impressed by their defense. Their defense was able to withstand a really hard running attack. And if you look at how they were on offense, Brendan Hunt played a tremendous game. He was able to make sure that they were able to move the ball, but not, you know, not a lot of offense that would show on the score. But Fernando Moya, bro, the kid was a workhorse. How many times did you or I call number 21 being able to move the ball for the Spartans? 22 times at least, <laughs> just on the, the run game alone. So, no, I, I could definitely agree with you uh, as far as how their offense was able to do enough. I'll, I'll say at that. You know, they didn't give up on their run game. I mean, their quarterback only attempted eight passes, but at the same time, they did enough, especially early on whenever uh, Brendan Hunt fumbled the ball. And uh, that was taken to the house uh, by the Warriors for their only touchdown of the game. Mm -hmm. So it took a while for their offense to get going. But then at the end of the day, like I said, they did just enough to etch out the victory on that one. But what is something you're concerned about when it comes to the Spartans? One thing I'm worried about with the Spartans is stuff that happens before the game. Um, We kind of saw it in this one where – I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. You know, Pueblo came out hot. And you could maybe look at their coaches for kind of inciting that on their side because, you know, they wanted to kind of let Vista know where they were. And in the same sense, we kind of, we we appreciate that. But at the same time, there's a moment where you're thinking to yourself, that's going to be mad embarrassing if you lose. And that's exactly what happened. At the end of the game, it it wasn't pleasant. There was a scuffle on the field, and it had to be separated by, you know, Tucson police. They, nobody got to shake hands. And unfortunately, nobody was able to accept the awards as the get-it-in player of the game because of the way the game ended. It was just mad unfortunate. And I know for you guys up in the booth, it had to be even more weird to have to end the broadcast abruptly because you don't want to share what may or may not happen on the field that is not football-related. Yeah, I think that that was a big eye-opener. I know that Vista Grande plays aggressively. They play hard, you know, from whistle to whistle. Uh, One of the things I want to see them clean up is the unnecessary penalties. I mean, whether the referees, you know, Pueblo was the home team, and you got to know that wherever you go, referees are usually going to be with the home team. Uh, we've seen that uh, all, a lot of the times we travel around uh, to different uh, high schools, but it's the unnecessary penalties that will cost you. How many drives did we see from Vista Grande that would negate a big gain? Uh, we saw one uh, near, I believe, the end of the first half, ran the ball down all the way to the one-yard line, and then it got called back by a holding penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen a player, you know, unfortunately get ejected for – you know, um, hitting the quarterback after he slid, and now he's not going to be able to play in next week's game. Appreciate the toughness from Vista Grande. I know that they're a team that is trying to prove themselves that 
They're not a team to be slept on anymore when it comes to this 4A division. But I just want to see a team that plays clean on both sides of the ball. We don't need the excess penalties. You don't need the unsportsmanlike conducts by flexing on a player or getting in a player's face because as we state every week in the broadcast, referees are not going to take it this year. They haven't took taken it for the last couple of years. And so don't set up your team for failure by doing something like that. Like I said, this was a hard earned win for Vista Grande and they really impressed me especially because maybe a couple years ago that might not have happened where they're able to uh, sneak out a victory like that they're usually on the wrong side but now that they're a more improved team they got a lot of experience on this team this year now it's time to step it up a notch and not shoot yourself in the foot no, I agree. The, the Spartans are definitely a hard-hitting team. We could see why they have the reputation they have because lots of hard hits, lots of unnecessary penalties, and that hit to the quarterback, it, it knocked out the quarterback Skinner completely out of the game. We saw him get on the sideline, sit down, and then stand up and, and look like a tree in the wind that was just planted. He, he was, you know, a little, a little unbalanced. Mm-hmm. And... All I could say is that it's going to get tougher for the Spartans, not necessarily in this week. We'll talk about that here soon. But once they finish up their freedom games and get into their region games, it's going to get a whole lot tougher. Yeah, especially when you got Arcadia and Arizona College Prep waiting in there as well. Let's move into our 5A games. Let's talk about the shutout victory from the Casa Grande Cougars as they hosted the Nogales Apaches, beating them 50-0. to zero. In the first game, they, they took their first loss to the Corona del Sol Aztecs, 14-0, and they got shut out. Now, for them to come out in this week and shut out their opponent, how big is that for their confidence? Oh, I think it's very big. You know, uh, that's the one thing we talked about was the big zero that they had week one. And now you play a struggling Nogales team who hasn't been very good uh, to start out the year. But you go and do what you're supposed to do. And that's go and leave a statement uh, at the end of the game. To me, their defense is going to be really clicking, especially in the next few weeks once they get all their transfers able to play. But to go out there and drop 50 on Nogales, I think that's the way you want to bounce back, especially after a close uh, loss to a 6A team. But one of the biggest things I wanted to see was out of a quarterback, Fatty Gant. I mean, he threw for 217 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, The team combined for 155 rushing yards. But I think the biggest thing you've seen was that he spread the ball out all over the place. I mean, he hit Avion Williams uh, two times for 73 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, you saw him connect with uh, Jacob Salinas for uh, two uh, catches and 35 yards and a touchdown. And then Kendall Cade and uh, Dam- uh, Damian Logan each uh, got a touchdown of their own. So that's something that I really loved uh, when it comes to uh, this Cast Grant offense because one of the biggest questions was, now all your yak attack from the state championship are now gone. Who are these next? Uh, um, who are these next players that are going to be the ones uh, to step up and help uh, Fatty out? And I think they did an excellent job. 
And if you look at all those receivers that got touchdowns, only one of them is a senior, and that's senior Damian Logan. And he just made the transition from QB to wide receiver, so I know that he was definitely happy to get that touchdown in this game. And But you said it earlier, Avion Williams able to get two touchdowns. He's going to be a definite focal point for the Cougars this year. He's a big target, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you see his presence out there on the field. That's why he's already getting looked at, uh, at by uh, D1 colleges. And, you know, I think as the season progresses and he gets more reps at the tight end position, he's only going to get better. You know, and we still um, and we still can talk about, you know, the presence on defense. I mean, their defense racked up 10 sacks on the quarterback and got one interception. So anytime you're getting to the quarterback like that, you're most likely going to win. So I just want to see that consistency carry into next week. And once they are able to get these transfers back, look out for Cascaran. They're going to be very dangerous. Now let's talk about our final 5A team. Now this score was very surprising, but in a good way. The Maricopa Rams hosted the Trevor G. Brown Bruins and beat them 49-7. to Do you think that this was a flash in the pan, or is this a sign that Maricopa football is coming back to life? I mean, it's a very big sign of something. Uh, when you snap a 19-game losing streak, that has to feel good, and especially doing it in the fashion that they did. I mean, winning um, winning forty nine to seven. I didn't give them a shot uh, this week, and not only did they win the game, they won it in decisive fashion. And I think that that has to be one of the biggest confidence boosters for a team that is looking to start trending up. And even though they lost to McClintock uh, in their first game, to come back and beat a team. 49 to 7 it says a lot and I was very impressed uh, by Maricopa I'm happy for them to finally be in the winner's circle I now I just want to see that continue on throughout the remainder of the season because I always talk about their region their region is very friendly to them this year and I think that if they can keep this up of what they did to Brown they might end up more than the three wins I had uh, predicted for them at the beginning of the season. They just might. Looking at the numbers, Jose Cardona went 13 for 19 with 161 yards and two touchdowns in the air. He's definitely shaping up to be the leader that the Rams need under center. When this team prepares for their matchup this week against Saurita, it's going to be very good for them because now they have that confidence of the win on their back that they'll be able to take against the Mustangs. And Saurita is a team themselves that is looking to get back on track, but the way that the confidence is swaying right now for the Rams, I think that they'll have a chance against Saurita this week. What about you? Yeah, I definitely uh, like their chances against Saurita. Uh, you know, that was a team that I thought was going to struggle uh, early on um, as well as Maricopa. But coming off of uh, this big victory – they definitely have a good chance to uh, possibly score a lot of points again this week. I mean, I think this is going to be a good test uh, for Maricopa to sit there and see if they can do it again. 
you know, um, I know they're going to come in with a lot of confidence uh, traveling down to um, to Green Valley. But the thing is, is we always talk about teams that are starting to trend up. Can you consistently do it week in and week out? And I think this is a perfect opportunity to see if they can do it again. Yeah, everybody on that Rams team should be able to be a part of this winning effort against the Mustangs. Now let's talk about the Casa Grande Cougars making the trip up to Paradise Valley to play the Trojans. What are your thoughts on this game? Um, I think this is another opportunity for Casa Grande to get better. Uh, Paradise Valley is a team that has struggled mightily in their first two games, uh, lost to uh, Central 61-21, to and then uh, to Cienega 30-17. to So this is going to be an opportunity for their offense to gel a little bit more, probably going to put up a lot of points against this team, and then uh, see what the defense does. This could be a possibility where they might be able to get another shutout. What about yourself? I was thinking the exact same thing. If if they were only able to put up 21 points against Central and then 17 against the Bobcats, this is a team that you want to take advantage of. This is a team that you exploit with your defense and you walk away with another shutout victory. This will do wonders for you when the rankings come out. All right. Well, let's move into our 4A uh, division as we have Apache Junction who's going to be hosting uh, Barry Goldwater. Barry Goldwater is uh, one and one, while Apache Junction is unfortunately zero and two. Is this a game that you can see Apache Junction finally bouncing back and getting their first win of the year? I I, I don't want to say yes right now. I think Barry Goldwater. I think the Bulldogs are actually a tougher team than the numbers would show. So. I think that they're going to give the prospectors too much of a challenge than they're initially expecting. What about you? Um, I think Apache Junction is going to keep this one close. Uh, I think it'll be in favor of AJ. I'm going to have them uh, pulling this one out. But that's just because I think their offense is finally gelling. They're starting to uh, get uh, two, at least two good players, their quarterback and their running back that we talked about. And I think they're going to be able to travel down and, and kind of build some momentum after that Arizona College prep game by only losing by a couple of touchdowns. Now it's their offense's time to shine, and I think that this is where they can do it. Let's hope so. Now let's talk about another 4A team that should be able to take advantage of a team in a losing situation. The Post and Butte Broncos will head out to Campo Verde to face the Coyotes. Now, if you are posting Butte, you just shut out the Aztecs in your last game. What are you looking to carry on into this game with Campo? That rushing attack. You know, you almost rushed for 400 yards against uh, Copper Canyon. You're going to have to do it again. With uh, Campo Verde, 0-2 team, uh, they played Higley, lost 49-14, to uh, played Millennium, and barely lost 21-20. to So... This is a game where Post and Butte can't look at the record and think that they're automatically going to win. Campo Verde is a very dangerous team, but I think if Post and Butte is able to play their type of game and their defense steps up in a big way, it could be a game where Post and Butte can uh, take home the victory. So I'm going to give the edge to Post and Butte just off of the uh, first two games that I've seen from them. 
barely losing to Mike Mountain and then destroying Copper Canyon, I want to say that they have things kind of going in the right direction. So I'm going to give them the edge. What about you? No, I'm with them. Broncos country. Let's ride. <laughs> All right. So let's move on into another 4A team. Uh, you got Desert Sunrise, who is going to be traveling down to Copper Canyon. Both teams have struggled. I know Desert Sunrise hasn't gotten to play uh, another game after their game got canceled last week. But you got two programs here who who have struggled so far this year. Uh, you got Copper Canyon, uh, who has yet to score. And then you have uh, Desert Sunrise, who uh, lost pretty decisively their first game. How do you see uh, this one playing out for Desert Sunrise? This is Desert Sunrise best chance of getting their first win the copper canyon aztecs don't seem to be a team that is meshing well offensively and we know that the golden hawks have a lot of offensive power just have not been able to translate that offensive power on the field so in this away game will be their best chance to do it what about you i'm definitely going to agree with you on that one um desert sunrise i think can I think that they can pick up their first victory here Copper Canyon doesn't look like a team that I'm impressed with I mean they lost to a Choya team and uh, Choya was a team that we've had always talked about who's in usually the uh, losing bracket when it comes to football and they lost to them seven to zero so that is going to be a tough feat for uh, the Aztecs so I think uh, I'm going to roll with Desert Sunrise here to uh, pick up the first victory in the their school's uh, history when it comes to the AIA division. And I'm with you on that one. I hope that they can pull it out. All right, so let's start that transition between 4A and 3A as we have another Pinal County clash, and that's going to be the Combs Coyotes who are going to be hosting the Coolidge Bears. You got the Coyotes who are struggling, uh, definitely – Took a big loss uh, last week to Eastmark. And then you have Coolidge picking up their first victory last week against Santa Cruz. We know what we saw last year. And I never like to compare two things because they're two totally different teams. Two totally different years. But Combs uh, put it on Coolidge uh, in Coolidge last year. Do you see the same outcome happening this year? I don't. I, the, the struggle I've seen on the side of Combs. It's, it's not going to get any easier for them against Coolidge. Coolidge is now a team that is resurgent. They, they know who their quarterback is. We had put that dark cloud over the head of the question mark of who's their quarterback. The quarterback is Gavin Gunter. And now they have so many offensive weapons that they want to go with on the ground. They're not really a team that's going to air it out. With Jordan Johnson getting this interception and being able to showcase his, his ability to, to catch and run the ball, Hopefully he'll get a little bit more attempts in the tight end position. But if you're Coolidge, this is the opportunity you want to take to make sure that you put away Combs for what they did to you last year. Use that as motivation. There's a lot of players on that team who are still there who had to suffer that defeat last year. Use that motivation to go into Combs' territory to come out with a win. So all my chips are behind Coolidge on this one. What about you? Uh, this one was a tough one. Um, I'd gone back and forth on it. Um, I don't know if I can really go off of Combs' week last week against Eastmark. 
Eastmark, to me, I mean, they were a powerhouse in 3A. They're showcasing that they can hang with a lot of the best 4A teams and, you know, only losing by seven to CDO. The thing I'm worried about is that Coolidge is going to overlook that game. They're going to go in there and see that 51-0 to halftime score against Eastmark. I do think Coolidge has enough uh, to... Uh, get by and win this game. Uh, I'm going to give them the edge against Combs because they did look like they were struggling really bad. But I do expect this to be a little bit of a closer game than what a lot of people might think. And that is because Coolidge has not shown the consistency yet. You know, one week I'm talking about how their offense is doing good. The next week they're non-existent. Then they come back against Santa Cruz and show that they have some life there. So it all depends on what Coolidge team comes to play Friday night because that is going to be the big thing. I thought they had enough to beat Benjamin Franklin, and I was wrong on that one. So I do see Combs as a team that could possibly get going against Coolidge. But if their defense comes to play and their offense plays like they did last week, I think Coolidge can pick up this victory. So I'm going to roll with Coolidge on that one. Let's continue this 3A, 4A action with the ALA Ironwood Warriors welcoming the Sierra Linda Bulldogs for a matchup in Santan Valley. How do you feel the Warriors will fare against the Bulldogs in this one? I think they have a good chance. I mean, uh, Sierra Linda beat Empire 13-7. I don't think Empire is that great of a 4A team. Uh, and then they dropped a game to Lee Williams 34-7. to And that's the typical things I see from Sierra Linda the only thing is is how does this team bounce back speaking of the Warriors you know I thought they had enough to beat Gilbert Christian and that wasn't the case so can they sit out there and do what they did to another 4A team in Douglas and shut them down on the defensive end because I don't know if it if this goes as a scoring battle and they go back and forth if ALA Ironwood has enough to keep up that way but if their defense can be that shutout defense that we saw in the first two weeks, I think uh, I got to give the edge to ALA Ironwood because I think Sierra Linda, to me, is like a Douglas team. They struggle, uh, you know, mightily throughout the season. They haven't shown a lot of consistency. And so I think that the Warriors can take advantage of that and uh, get back on the winning uh, track. What about you? I'm thinking the same thing. I feel like the Warriors are going to be able to go in there and handle the Bulldogs. Bulldogs not able to put up anything against major opponents, and ALA has to take advantage of that and put away another 4A team like they did with Douglas, another Bulldog team. Well, let's see if they could go 2-0 on the Bulldogs. But let's go into our final 3A team, uh, a game you uh, have been talking about. You had it circled on the schedule. Unfortunately, we weren't able to uh, get that one on uh, the um, – road uh, tour but you have the Florence Gophers now going down to Santan Foothills in a battle of the Gila River Bowl we've seen what both teams uh, did last week I mean I think even though Santan Foothills came up a little bit short they still played a good game you had the Florence Gophers coming from behind to knock off Safford and then of course we have to bring up the magic that happened down in Florence, a game that went into overtime and uh, ended in exciting fashion in favor of Santan Foothills. K 
can Santan Foothills surprise everybody and knock off a very good Florence Gophers team? If Josh Jackson is unable to play, it'll be exactly the same as last year. I think that's a, that was the storyline which happened last season. Josh got hurt and concussed the game before, and he wasn't able to participate in the Gila River Bowl. If that's the same case this year, and, and I hope that it's not, then the Santan Foothills Sabercats definitely have a shot of keeping the Gila River Bowl trophy in Santan for a second year in a row. How do you feel about this game? Well, first, I want to hear your pick. Who you, you going with Santan Foothills? I'm going to go with Santan Foothills on this one. All right. Um, well, for me, Florence showed me a lot last week uh, coming back from Safford. I think even if Josh Jackson is a scratch uh, for this week's game, we talk, you talked about it. They have enough running backs to step up and play a vital role on that offense. Logan Stenson, I think, is going to have a big day. And so I just think that right now Florence has checked all the boxes for me uh, so far in three games. And so I have to give them the edge. It's just something that I'm really impressed with when it comes to their play. You know, week one, they go out handle business week two they hang with one of the best teams and now last week having to come from behind those are three big areas when you want to talk about what a good team brings yes you're not going to blow out every team every week but when you're doing some like that and you're checking every box of what could happen in a game I got to go with you so I'm going to take the Gophers to take back the Gila River Bowl down to Florence okay so it's going to be interesting to see who takes that one this week all right, so let's go into our 2A teams. Who is the first team uh, we're going to talk about there? The Sequoia Pathway Pumas hosting the Phoenix Christian Cougars. Thoughts? Oh, this one's kind of interesting here. You know, I know that Phoenix Christian has been a team that they're not the typical Phoenix Christians we knew when we first started out. Uh, they've struggled uh, – not only uh, a little bit this year, but they struggled a lot last year. So far this year, they lost to Tank Verde 19-6, but barely squeaked out a victory against uh, Shadow Mountain 30-28, uh, to who's another, another struggling team. I'm going to go with Phoenix Christian this week, and that's just because they, uh, from week to week, have put up a lot more points uh, than Sequoia Pathway. Sequoia Pathway got their first touchdown uh, last week. And I'm, you know, happy for them about that. But I think that they're still trying to figure themselves out. And I think that Phoenix Christian may have a little bit more to uh, squeak out another victory. What about I, you? No, I think that Phoenix Christian does have a lot more than Sequoia Pathway. But you know what? Every once in a while, you got to go against the grain. So I'm picking Sequoia Pathway on this one. I mean, we already went against each other in the Gila River Bowl. So let's continue that trend. All right. So let's move into... Another uh, two-way matchup, uh, you have ALA Anthem South, who's going to be traveling down uh, to take on Catalina. Now, this isn't your typical Catalina team here. This is a Catalina team who's on a two-game winning streak. I don't know when's the last time we can say that about a team like Catalina, who, as we know, has been at the bottom of every ranking since we uh, first got into uh, covering football. 
do you think Catalina makes it three and O, or does ALA Iron does or does ALA Anthem South finally get into the victory column? No, I think that Catalina is going to make light work of the Titans on this one. It's gonna. It sucks to say because you know the Titans are our Pinal County team, but you love that that fairy tale story of the lovable loser coming back around and finally getting theirs. And that's what Catalina is doing right now. They're getting theirs, so I think that they're going to continue to do that against the Titans. What do you think? I would definitely have to agree with you. Um, I just want to see ALA Anthem South get some points on the board. You know, that's going to be. My goal for them this week, get some points on the board. I think uh, Catalina is going to be riding a big high coming into uh, their home matchup and want to continue this win streak and be able to say, hey, man, we're not that team you guys are used to and, you know, losing all the time or can be a run-through team. But, uh, you know, I just want to see ALA Anthem South put up a fight, keep things close if it's possible, but it's just, to me, Catalina is a team that surprised the heck out of me, uh, you know, the first two weeks. And I think surprised a lot of people. And I think that they continue that trend uh, going into uh, Friday's night. But let's move on into our uh, game of the week for the Grand Canyon uh, Gridiron Road Tour. And that's going to be the Bisbee Pumas taking on the Santa Cruz Dust Devils we said Santa Cruz uh, fell to uh, Coolidge uh, last week after uh, picking up a victory week one against Trivium Prep. Then you had the Bisbee Pumas who uh, started uh, the year off 2-0 and but then uh, lost a heartbreaker in uh, the Battle of the Pick uh, to uh, arch-rival Douglas. I think they lost on the goal line, uh, a matter of fact, uh, and I think they went for two. Mm-hmm. And the final was like 35 to 34. It's a tough way to lose it. Yeah, definitely, especially during their rivalry. But you have Bisbee coming in at 2-1. and one. I mean, they had, that, they had that big victory against Benson, 43-13. to 13. And then uh, they ended up losing to Douglas, 39-38. to 38. But who do you see having the edge and who has the most to lose coming into this game? I think the edge has got to go on the Dust Devils side. You're at home. You just lost a game against Coolidge in a, in a match where you definitely had a shot of beating your rivals. And now you have a team that just lost against their rivals in a big game. Like you said, it was on the goal line. Tough game to lose. Even though Bisbee is a team that should be feared, I think that the Dust Devils go in this one with no fear and pull it out. What about you? Early on uh, at the beginning of the season, I thought that this could be a game for Santa Cruz to uh, win. Bisbee definitely showed me that they're ready to take that next step and be competitive uh, in the two-way division. Uh, I'm going to agree with you here. I think it's a game where Santa Cruz uh, definitely could have the edge. I have yet to see their uh, offense explode, so I'm waiting for it, and I'm hoping it happens uh, on Friday night uh, in front of their own fans. They've only put up 36 points. You know, I want to see them go for 20-plus points uh, Friday. But don't underestimate this game here when it comes to the Bisbee Pumas because 
we saw uh, that game last year. I believe it was a very like a seven point game mm-hmm. uh, between the two. I'm thinking either way it goes, it might end up like that again. But like I said, though, I think Santa Cruz has the most to lose here when it comes to them trying to get back to their old ways and you know make it back to the playoffs. They definitely want to pick up this game right here because it's going to help with their strength of schedule because I think Bisbee's going to have a winning record this year. So if they can go in and knock off uh, the Pumas, it's definitely going to help Santa Cruz, especially once they start getting into region play. And you got teams like when they still have to go in and play Santan Charter and uh, teams like Chandler Prep who are both playing good ball. So a definite must win for Santa Cruz here. And I think that they're going to get it done. Let's hope so. I'm looking forward to going out to Eloy this Friday night, setting up and getting to feel that energy. It's been a long time. Like I said, it's been over a year since we've been there. Mm -hmm. The last game we saw them play was against the Arizona Lutheran Coyotes, and the Coyotes ended up winning the state championship that year. So I'm, I'm definitely waiting to see what goes down this Friday night in Eloy. But before we wrap up the show, I know we forgot about one team uh, that we had uh, uh, accidentally skipped in the 4A. We were getting so into that game against Pueblo. But Vista Grande is going to be playing the Crisman Rattlers. How do you think that one fares? Okay, we we usually do this, and this is perfect timing because we usually do this at the end of the show anyway. That's going to be my no-doubter. Vista Grande is going to do the Rattlers dirty in this one. I I feel like this is going to be another game where they shut out their opponents. What about you? Oh, I definitely will agree with you there. Um, I think Crisman is a struggling 3A team right now. They haven't uh, put up uh, any points, I don't believe, uh, yet this year. So it should be a kind of, I hate to call it that, but a tune-up game uh, for Vista Grande in order to uh, get ready for uh, some more 4A competition. Uh, I think Vista Grande has to go in there and play their game. You know, for me, it would be considered a no-doubter, but, you know, I think it's a victory that they should go away and definitely should be able to shut them out. All right, well, now that you've heard my no-doubter, what's your no-doubter this week? Uh, I'm going to take Casa Grande beating Paradise Valley. I think Casa Grande's hitting uh, on all cylinders right now. Paradise Valley's struggling a little bit. So I think that that'll be my no-doubter. What about your surprise sleeper pick this week? My surprise sleeper pick this week will probably be Apache Junction beating Barry Goldwater. That's my upset. What about you? Who do you feel has the biggest chance of getting an upset this week? My sleeper pick is going to be the Combs Coyotes to knock off the Coolidge Bears. That will be, like I said, that will be a game you can't sleep on Combs right now. Uh, you know, I know they're struggling, but at the same time, I need to see the consistency from Coolidge in order to be confident about them each and every week. And right now, I'm, I don't have that confidence. Even though I have them, uh, uh, you know, holding the edge in this game, I just hope that they come to play. Because if not, the Coyotes might pick up a victory. I hope that lights a fire underneath them boys right now. And you know what? Maybe we'll release this episode a couple days early so that way they can hear that and, and get fired up. But that, that was a great episode, bro. I feel like we were able to express everything that we felt in Tucson that day because, you know, at the end of the game, I was very frustrated with, with how things turned out. Um, 
I'm looking forward to things turning around in Eloy. I can't wait to go out there. Looking forward to seeing Chris Kidney again come come down to this Friday. Absolutely. I know that he he loves coming down to Pinal County and getting to, to know these little communities, and he's going to love the way that Eloy celebrates football in their city. Oh, yeah. You know he's going to want to check out uh, Encore again in mm-hmm. order to stop by another local business, but – it's going to be a great week. I mean, there's uh, another good chance for Pinal County football to pick up a lot of victories this week. Uh, I just hope for the teams that are looking for their first victory, they're able to get some momentum going. And you know what? This week, man, you got to shout out the Maricopa Rams because they uh, definitely broke that streak. Now I'm hoping that ALA Anthem South or um, Sequoia Pathway can do the same and get into the uh, winner's bracket because – there's nothing better than seeing Pinal County football winning football games and, you know what, making a name for themselves no matter what division they're in. So definitely going to be excited for uh, this matchup against Bisbee. I think it's going to be a very good one. It's going to be a lot of fun to call. Is there any uh, other announcements I, I might have missed? We're going to start gearing up for our scholarship. We're going to start doing some food sales here soon. We'll, we'll keep you guys updated on when and where those will be happening. Also, if you're a small business looking to get your business advertised during our football games, please reach out to us through our social medias, or you can reach out to us at thevarsitybreakdown21 at gmail.com. Just make sure you put sponsorship in the title line so that we know exactly what you're emailing for, and hopefully we can get your business in an advertisement during the game with the Bismi Pumas and the Santa Cruz Dust Devils. Well, if that's all you have for us, brother, I mean, I appreciate uh, being able to get together another week. We got a lot of football going on uh, this Friday night, and best of luck to all of our teams. Take it easy.